Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I just wanted to welcome everybody. Thank you for coming out, even though it is cold. Uh, I appreciate it. Good to see you. Y'all look good. You're looking handsome. Handsome ever. Beautiful. Beautiful. Lubert. What's up, man? How you doing? Good to see you. I'm really glad to see you all here today. Everybody on the stream, hey. How you doing? <laughs> well, we're continuing on on our White Christmas uh, uh, series. This is part three, and it is entitled See Through Jesus Eyes. Now, the ultimate White Christmas, in my mind, you know, is the one that takes place in the heart. It's a little bit different. You know, when, when you hear like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? You're thinking of, it's going to snow, and I'm going to be stuck inside. That's uh, what a lot of people, I imagine, think. But what I like to think about is one where, you know, there's no regrets, right? There's nothing to apologize for at the dinner table where you're staring down your uncle, right? They've got like a chicken wing half hanging out of their mouth, and you're thinking, I know, I remember what you said to me last year. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's a white Christmas. It's, it's pure in heart. It's, it's, uh, it's changed. It's different, right? You know, whenever I get up here, I talk about really one thing, and it always has to do with some kind of transformation, reconfiguration, something like that. It's just a reskin of the same thing that I always talk about. But, you know, if you know what I'm going to say, it's forgiveness, right, <laughs> is what I always talk about. Uh, you know, forgiveness and offense those are hard, right? If you ever guys have a hard time forgiving somebody, you know, you've, uh, uh, you've gone through life, they've hurt you, they've said something about you, uh, 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 and you've had to be, you had to forgive them. You guys are with me on that? Or you've had this offense that you've had to deal with. Those are hard. Well, I'll tell you what. After today's message, you guys will be free from that. How does that sound? We want to be free at Christmas, right? We want to be free when I'm uh, hanging out with my hot wife, hot, hey, hot wife, you know, I want to I wanna be able to be fully there with her when I'm, when I'm with my wife, right? And you guys know, those of you who are in relationships, you want to have everything clear, everything on the table, and if you've messed up, you want that resolved, right? I want to be able to, to happily have a relationship with my wife and be there with her. That way, like the song says, my season can be merry and bright, right? <laughs> Following me? Amen. Hey, hi. Hey, sorry, guys. One sec. <laughs> I'm just going to flirt with my wife over here. So today we're talking about offense and forgiveness. So part one, we talked about snow globes, right? Or part two, sorry, we talked about snow globes. My brother did. Well, I'd like to open us up in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This one's in the New Living, and we'll read it together off the screen. This is so weird. Last time I was up here, we had two little screens. I keep looking over here, expecting there to be one. 
There's not. There's, we got one big one. So uh, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. So one thing that I want to point out in this is that he says, come now, let's settle this. Picture Jesus saying, come on, you've been dealing with all of this nonsense, this offense that has been poisoning your heart, this offense that you've been uh, cycling in your head. Because you know these things, these poisonous thoughts, this offense speak, it's like a loop going over and over and over again. You guys know how, does anyone work in an office space or like a retail space where they play Christmas music all like day after Thanksgiving? You know, imagine that loop of the same 10 Mariah Carey every other song is, is offense that's just going over and over and over and over. That loop of offense, that loop of poison that goes through your mind over and over again. Jesus is calling out to you saying, come now, let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Now, I will point that out because uh, in, in the context of the scripture, it's talking about how, like, my sins. But it, how many of you guys know it's not just your own sins that can create a loop in yourself. It could be the sins of others as well. Sin is not just what you did. It includes others crossing that line right? The result is not always pure or anything like that. When, it, when uh, you, you, you repent from that, it's, uh, sometimes there's this little bit of collateral damage. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it could also be things that happen to you that create this, this, uh, this cycle. Now, in the end of it, of the scripture, it says, I'll make them white as wool if you only obey me, right? Obedience is only needed when you, not, when you don't feel like it, <laughs> you know? It's real easy for me to do something that I feel like doing. My wife never has to say, hey, uh, go play PS5. I'm down. I don't need to use any obedience for that. Right? She, uh, she wants me to walk the dogs in like 10 degrees, then, you know, that's going to take a little bit of obedience to my wife to, to do that. <laughs> no, no one else is with me on that one, I guess. <laughs> so, you don't feel it, you just do it. That's obedience, right? Are you guys with me on this? You don't feel it, you just do it. Radical uh, obedience even to offensive things is what we have to is what we have to do. You know what I'm talking about when when God calls us to forgive, it takes radical obedience to forgive others. So how do we walk this out? It's real easy. There's only one point to this whole to this whole talk is change your life, change your, change your simple thoughts. We have all been offended at one time, and Jesus said it would happen, right? So I'd like to bring us over to Matthew 24. We've all been offended at one time, even recently, right? Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 10, and then many will be offended, will betray one another and hate one another. And what an appropriate time for us to talk about this. Yeah. 
many is really an important uh, passage in the Scripture because in the Greek, many actually means majority. So it's over 50% were offended at this time uh, in his reference. And on top of that, uh, offended in the Greek comes from the word scandalon. Scandalon, it sounds like a Star Trek name. A scandalon uh, is where we get the word scandal, and what it means is it's a trap that you are baited into, and that's uh, uh, you're trapped in the heart. That's what scandalon means, a trap, a trap in the heart for which you were baited. So, in Luke 17 and 1, the New King James Version, I'd like to point out that he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come, right? So, you can't get away from them, just so you know. You can't escape them. And what happens after is key. What happens after you are offended is the most important. Have you ever looked back at a situation where I have plenty of opportunities in my line of work to get offended? And I think about how after somebody comes in and they lay into me, how did I deal with this in my heart after they leave, right? Am I, you know, imagining ways to push them through a wood chipper uh, on their way out of my office door? Or am I thinking, man, they must be really going through something right now. It's, a, it's good that I'm here to help them in their time of need, <laughs> right? I'm going to be honest. It's not always the latter. Probably in uh, Greek terms, many are <laughs> the former. But, you know, <laughs> I'll move on. <laughs> Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a, forfeited si- or a fortified city, and disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. Wow. We'll read it again. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. You know, back in those days, I'm a, anyone else like a medieval nerd? You know, the knights, just two of us. Man, that's okay, you guys. I'll, teach, I'll show you what's up. There's a, when they were attacking cities and, and castles back in that day, they had to bring a huge armaments, giant catapults called trebuchets that would throw giant, massive stones. In this time, that is the mentality of, of warfare when they're talking about castles and that sort of things. A city under siege, days, weeks, months long, these sieges of castles would go. And he is saying it is even harder to, <laughs> to win over a friend that is offended than winning over a strong city under siege. Nigh impossible is what the context in the time, in language it's using, is saying, in the contention of the bars of a castle, those bars that they use, slam into the ground, right? Blocking the the entrance into the city. Think, is they've got to stop some massive, massive armaments from coming through. So how important is it that we make sure that we take care of our brothers and our sisters by protecting them from offense that could come from us, but of course also not living by the whole hurt me once, shame on you, hurt me twice, 
shame on me kind of mentality. The problem is the city has tall walls, right? They're meant to keep bad people out and keep, <laughs> and keep all the stuff that you need safe inside. But you can't receive love because of it. It keeps all that stuff out, right? You can't receive it, those things that you really need from other people when you've got your walls up. You can't li really live unyielded either. Walls are non-discretionary. It affects good people too, right? So here's what offense looks like. I've compiled a list for you, and I'll list them off for you. We get offended when we are betrayed. You know, hurts when somebody that you love turns on you. They've broken some promise to you. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe you have a, you know, a dad who's betrayed you. You know, a job. You've uh, been working many, many years, and they bring you into the office and say, sorry, this is the last, this is your last day. You've been fired effective immediately, right? This feels like a betrayal. Maybe you've been falsely accused. Things have been said about you that are not true. Maybe you've been rejected. You know, moments where people shun us when we needed them the most. People can't forgive us or we can't forgive ourselves. Maybe we feel rejected from pastors or teachers, representatives of God who have uh, made us to feel less than worthy of the love of Jesus. Or maybe expectations of us were higher than what felt possible at the time. We felt rejected. Or maybe it's abuse, emotional, verbal abuse, or sexual abuse even. Or maybe you felt humiliated, embarrassed in front of your peers and others. This is an ugly list that can create offense pretty easy. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. But, you know, this, uh, this list that I've compiled of betrayal, false accusation, rejection, abuse, and humiliation is not compiled in a uh, uh, wistless manner. Maybe you guys are catching on to where I'm getting at, but this is exactly what Jesus went through in the exact order on the Thursday night and Friday of his conviction when he was betrayed by a friend and falsely accused, rejected by those who he has served Israel and uh, abused both emotionally, verbally, beaten, bruised, and humiliated. Many scholars say that when Jesus was crucified on that day, that he was lifted up on that cross completely naked. How humiliating. Wow. How humiliating. He was betrayed by the 10, the 12. That all had to happen because it was going to happen to you, like it said in Scripture that we just read. I'd like to point out Hebrews 2. 17 through 18. This is in the Message Bible. I know my mom likes the message. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest, what is high priest? High priest is a mediator between God and man. Another 
uh, calls him an advocate. Another uh, uh, translation calls him an advocate, like, a, like an attorney. He had to go through this so he could know what it was so that he could intercede, he can uh, uh, make intercession between us and God. That's what an attorney does, right, between you and the judge. Like, hey, listen, judge, my guy couldn't have done that. Joel would never, <laughs> right? And Joel's not guilty because how many of you guys know there is a, there is a prosecutor that is seeking a death sentence for you. Are you aware of this? And that there, we have uh, somebody on our team. We have an attorney that is going before God, the ultimate judge, right? And is saying, he's not guilty. She's not guilty. I paid for that. Amen? I'll get back on, on topic. Sorry, guys. So, uh, continuing, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help uh, where help was needed. Jesus qualifies to be an authority on it. Jesus qualifies to be an authority on it. I'd like to read Hebrews 4.15, which is a really great scripture. It's important to hear this one. It's at the New King James. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. How many here are weak? Me. I'm weak. I am. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted, tested on all points. Is there anything in your life that is not contained within all points? Trick question. The answer is no. Everything that you have gone through, Jesus has also experienced through his life. You can't talk to him about something that he doesn't understand. He understands it. He has been there. He has walked through the same path that you have walked. So when you need somebody that is able to communicate to you, relate to you, empathize with you, have one of the most human connections possible, which is that empathetic, sympathetic connection where I feel as you feel. I know where you've been. I've been there too, and I can be there with you. In the word of God, our God, our God, challenge me on this. Our God is the only one who, in Scripture, when somebody suffers loss, that Jesus falls to the ground and weeps with them. Our God is able to experience that pain. He knows because he's been there. He knows. He knows what it feels like to be abandoned by his dad. This is something that I have dealt with my entire life. My dad left when I was very, very young. And when I gave my heart to, to, to Jesus, when I, when I became born again, he revealed himself in the most intimate way that anyone, anything could have uh, touched. I'm in my weakest point. Here's what he here's here's what he said. He, he uh, I was uh, it was in the middle of my college dorm. I was by myself. I got home at 4 a.m. I just puked from doing some drugs. Uh, 
And I was sitting there completely ashamed. And the Lord came to me in that little dorm, pile of laundry, dirty, smelly, gross, college dorm, right? <laughs> uh, came to me and said, I know what it feels like to be abandoned by my dad. It was when Jesus hung on that cross, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The Word of God says that it was the will of God to crush him, him being Jesus. Wow. Can anyone else relate with me on this? I know it's a super intimate thing that I'm talking about right now, but let me tell you, no one else could have felt that pain that I have experienced my entire life. No therapist ever could. They were, well, you have daddy issues. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for noticing. What are you going to do about it? No one else could help me. But you know, Jesus Christ entered into my life and said, I know what it's like to have a father who has left you, has turned his back on you. And only Jesus, only God was able to step in and say, I feel that because I lived it. I'll get off my soapbox. So how do we respond to this? And that's where Jesus' eyes come in. First Peter 4, 1 says this, Therefore, since Christ Jesus suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Underline that in your word if you can. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. But check this out. I really want to point out, arm yourselves also with the same mind. The same mind of who? The same mind of Jesus. Do what he does, and you can make it as well, right? It's not that it happened, but how he responded when it happened. Here is his, uh, here is his response. Uh, when he's going through, he's being uh, 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 crucified, right? He's up there on the, uh, on the cross, and he says what? He says, they do not know what they do. <clears throat> Listen, guys. Romans are good at killing people. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> Don't build doctrine around this. I think they knew what they were doing. But the heart of Jesus was always good towards the people he came to serve. Right? They were always good. Even when he was saying, you whitewashed tomb. You know, how many of you guys need to get talked to a little bit direct? <laughs> right? If I'm a wash, whitewashed tomb, you better tell me. <laughs> oh. Hmm. <laughs> right? You have a little moment of clarity. But uh, I believe that they, they, he knew exactly, they knew exactly what they were doing. Luke 23, 24 says this, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided up his garments and cast lots. Interesting juxtaposition for what you see. Father, forgive them, and they are gambling his clothes to each other. Do you see it? I see it bright as day, that Jesus is standing here where people are surrounded to literally get their entertainment for the day to watch a man tortured and killed, and they are gambling his clothes away to each other. They're casting lots. They're saying, this is a nice uh, tunic. Let's, uh, you know, I call sixes, right, or something. I don't know. But they're gambling his clothes away. He is sitting there, uh, nails Rusty, I'm sure, in his hands, thirsty, naked, embarrassed, humiliated, and in pain because his skin was torn 
off of his body. Some scholars would say that his beating was so bad he was not recognizable as a man. He was a mound of flesh pinned to a cross. And the words that come from his mouth, Father, forgive them. That's profound to me. He made a choice to see them differently. He made a choice. Listen, offenses will come. But the choice that you make on how you interpret those offenses, are you going to see them as Jesus saw them, or are you going to see them as you want to see them? You cut me off. (laughs) They will come. You will be offended. He made a choice to believe that they did not know what they were doing, where very likely they knew exactly what they were doing. We have a choice to make, right? It comes to that person in the parking lot who, uh, is, uh, I hate this when this happens, okay? <laughs> you know, if you go into the store and somebody wants to be in that parking lot right in the middle of the lane so you can't get on one side or the other and it's impossible to park down that whole aisle and that's the only one with a stall for you to park in. So now you're going all around like, I want to pull that person out of the car and put their head under the tire. I'm sorry. It's just a little bit of myself talking, right? Or you get the road rage, right? This is a problem here in Utah. People are all there following way too closely to you, or they don't like to use their signals. You guys use your signals, right? It's because you guys are Christians. <laughs> Good job. You guys love the Lord, so you use your turn signals. Good job. God bless you. Use your turn signals. There's somebody's rushing you, right? I, I hate this. I'm over here in the grocery store. I'm trying. It's always at the grocery store. All my problems occur there. I'm at the grocery store. I'm looking at peanut butter. You guys know that peanut butter is important. You got a really specific kind. Thank you, Dom. Yes. Amen. Yes. And this person's trying to get to the peanut butter too, but they just want Jiffy. And they're like, get out of my space. I just need to find my one. I don't know, it's the only one. Or maybe you received a phone call, (laughs) an emergency. Some bad news came, right? You get a phone call that, uh, you know, a sale fell through or something like that. Chances are that uh, the way that you're feeling in that moment is not the truth, amen? (laughs) There's a chance uh, that this is true, you know, of course. But really, uh, uh, let me paint a picture for you if I can. Let's say that that person that's following too closely behind you down the road, uh, they just received an emergency phone call, right? That uh, here's something that happened in my life recently. My little son uh, swallowed some water beads. Uh, let's say that this dad got a call from his wife saying, hey, your little boy swallowed some water beads. We need to go to the emergency room. And you in your uh, prideful, entitled manner are going five below the speed limit when a father is rushing home to potentially save the life of his nine-month-old baby. (laughs) Is that true? Possibly not, 
but possibly it is. How tragic would it be if you were to call him a jerk, right? How tragic would it be if you are the one who is responsible for the delay that ends the life of another just because of how arrogant and prideful you are? Yeah. <laughs> it's deep. It's deep. I'd like to share a different kind of prayer with you if I can. It's a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I, uh, I think it's an interesting thing to think about and talk about. This is how it goes. Heavenly Father, help us remember that the jerk who cut us off in traffic last night is a single mother who worked nine hours that day and was rushing home to cook dinner, help with homework, do the laundry, and spend a few precious moments with her children. Help us to remember that the pierced, tattooed, disinterested young man, <laughs> don't at me, uh, who can't make change correctly, <laughs> is a worried 19-year-old college student balancing his apprehension over final exams with his fear of not getting his student loans for next semester. Remind us, Lord, that the scary-looking bum begging for money in the same spot every day who really ought to get a job, it says, is a slave to addiction that, can only imagine, that we can only imagine in our own worst nightmares. Help us to remember that the old couple walking annoyingly slow through the store aisles and blocking our shopping progress are savoring this moment, knowing that based on the biopsy report she got back last week, this very well may be the last year that they go shopping together. Heavenly Father, remind us that each day of all the gifts that you give us, the greatest gift is love. It is not enough to share that love with those we hold dear, Open our hearts, Lord, not just to those who are close to us, but to all humanity. Let us be slow to judgment and quick to forgiveness and patience and empathy and love. Amen. That's good, huh? Yeah, a little silly. Jesus made a, uh, made a choice. We make a choice every day. Forgive those when they don't know what, they, when they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. It's safe to make that assumption. Interpret the things that are said to you in a way. Filter it through love. Put a little love filter on your ears. If you do this, then you won't have to dream of a white Christmas. You'll have one. You'll have it in your heart because you've done these things. You've had the purity of heart. And that's when release comes when you've become so good at forgiveness that it becomes second nature to you. I know a couple people that are really good at this. Polly is particularly very good. <laughs> so how do we do this? Three simple truths to seeing like he does, and then we'll wrap up really, really quick, real easy. One, I have to make a choice. Two, remember that I needed forgiveness too. It was given to me. You will never have to forgive as many people <laughs> as God had to forgive you. <laughs> uh, uh, guys, I have been forgiven for the same thing very often. <laughs> and I can't tell you that, uh, well, I'll just say this, you, you are going to be fine. God has forgiven people way more 
<laughs> You'll be fine. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. A recurring verse when we have discussions, you and I. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what makes you so special? This is offensive. I'm sorry. Uh, the hammer and nails that were in Jesus' hands and feet, those were offensive. And the most important thing to remember, if you were a character in this story, you would not have been one of the disciples. You very likely would have held the nails and the hammer in your hand and likely were the one nailing them in. If you receive it, you should give it. If you receive love, if you receive forgiveness, you should give love and forgiveness. You can't give what you don't have, so you got to have it so that you can give it. Amen. Amen. Work on some love. Amen. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Or you could read this as, freely you have received love, so freely give it to the jerks that you encounter on your way. This helps. This helps a lot. Choices leading. Uh, this choices lead feelings. You guys know this? You guys heard this before? We say it often, but love is a choice. You make a decision to love your, your spouse every day. Amen? That's the same thing. It's, it's, a, it's the same thing when it comes to forgiveness. You make a choice to forgive, and that feeling, that feeling comes with it. Second point is, I have to make a choice to refocus who the enemy is. Refocus who the enemy is. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Not a person. Spirit. It's a spiritual battle. Hurt people hurt people. You hear this before? People are dealing with stuff, man. Hurt people hurt people. Every person has their own story. One of uh, my, my favorite maxims to keep in the back of my mind is that every person's story is a tragedy. It is true. You could pick one person out of the population and say, tell me your story. It is going to be a sad story. <laughs> it's going to be a sad story. Every single person, their story is a tragedy. You, uh, if you were to remember this, when you are getting, sitting in your office and this person comes in screaming at you, you will likely find out, this is what happened to me. A person came in, she was screaming at me because she was going to be late and she thought she was going to be evicted. I wasn't going to evict her. She was concerned that I was and she was bleh, this emotional vomit. I happened to be the uh, reciprocant of, recipient of at that time. The following week, she comes in, she apologizes, and she says, I'm sorry, my brother died in Mexico. And I had to spend my rent money to go down to Mexico so I can be there with my family. Thank God I didn't blow up on this woman. I don't want to be the villain in anyone's stories. I'm sure that I, sure I am. And I'm sure all of you are a villain in someone's story. But listen, if I can have some positive impact, I hope that her 
You know, people are dump trucks, and they fill with garbage, and they got to dump it somewhere. And sometimes you are that dump yard. But hopefully that was a cathartic <laughs> dump. <laughs> and she was able to have some healing in that, I hope. Amen? And then number three. I have to make a choice to receive love. This is a big one. You have to make a choice to receive love. Bring the wall down. 1 John 4, 19 to, through 21 says this, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Is there uh, any interpretation to be made on this? It says must, right? Say, so, well, I can choose to love my brother, Right? You can choose. You can decide not to. Am I reading this right? This is a trick question. No! <laughs> no! You must love your brother. If you love God, you must love your brother. So what does that look like? How do I do that? You interpret what your brother is doing in love. You interpret what your brother is doing in seeing him through the eyes that Jesus has. Because listen, Jesus could have looked at me and said, look at this dork. You know, look at this goofball. He doesn't take anything seriously. He's not, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, reverent. You know, that doesn't come naturally for me. <laughs> uh, I could have been rejected easily. Many have rejected me in the past, except for Jesus, right? It's amazing how many people said that they couldn't believe God could love them after what they did. It's amazing how many people have said that over the years. And maybe you say this about yourself. You know, I've got a story. My story's a tragedy. Father leaves at a young age. Son, unlovable and unworthy of being called a son, enters into life trying to find acceptance from anyone that will offer it falls into drug use and shame. But, you know, but thank God for Jesus and the sacrifice that he, was made, that he had made. That that blood covers everything, right? What does your story look like? Is it worse than mine? Is it better than mine? Doesn't matter. The point is, no matter what your story is, you are worthy of the love of God. And let's uh, put a little something on, because in a moment, I'm going to invite you to receive Jesus Christ. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. 
For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.